fun. Hey, everybody, this is a special edition of After Further Review, our weekly award winners. Dean Jackson, along with our AAF correspondent, Branch Dutchberry. And we have a new award winner added to the list this week. We have Orlando Powell's wide receiver, Solid Stein, Spence Manning, and Clark, Clark Shaw, and Orlando Powell's quarterback were named to our sports central offensive, defensive, and unsung hero players of the week for week two of the AF season. Charles Johnson finished Sunday's game with seven receptions for a whopping 192 yards and one touchdown in the Orlando Powell's thrilling 37-29 victory over the San Antonio Commanders. Johnson's largest catch went for 54 yards. Fran, we have a defensive one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, Carter Schultz for, um, for the Solid Stallion had six tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, a pass deflection, and a forced fumble in the Stallion's 12-9 loss to the Birmingham Iron. Schultz also had a stop-fake punt run attempt for a first down uh, by the Birmingham Iron. And our unsung, our new award winner, the Unsung Hero Award. Yeah, that hands down goes to Orlando Apollo's cornerback, Keith Reiser. He had a game-winning 39-yard interception return for a touchdown against San Antonio Commanders quarterback Logan Woodside. And he picked it off and, and I picked six for the, for, for, the, for the Apollos, which turned out to be a game winner. Fran, we're going to have a couple minutes of commentary here in yesterday's game. Let's talk about the big one, Orlando and San Antonio. You and I have been talking about offensive issues. I don't know that I'd say issues, but concerns that offenses just simply aren't scoring. That's not a case with Orlando. But we saw easily the best game of the year so far in the two-game schedule that we've seen out of what is it now, uh, a total of eight games played total. Easily, San Antonio and Orlando's game yesterday was the best we've seen, and it gives fans who want offensive battles something to cheer for. It had the feel of of a playoff game. That's what I liked about it. And plus, you had the best attendance uh, in AF this season with over 29,000 fans at San Antonio. They improved from week one, so... You know, you're playing indoors. It's a good product. It's a football-hungry market. It's a bang-bang win for success. Yeah, I don't think that you could name a better market with the exception of Orlando just because Florida is so football-crazy. But, like, Texas isn't. I don't think you could ask for a a better situation where you control the environment. Uh, It's just a win-win for San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio, I mean, they supported the teams in the past. They they supported the – Oh, the, the CFL San Antonio Texans, they, they supported the San Antonio Rice. They, they, they have a history of supporting alternative leagues. But this league's a little bit different because, because it's, you know, I, mean, I think it has more money more money tied to it. Plus, you have Mike Riley. I mean, that helps a lot. He, you know, he's a, a winchpan in San Antonio, coach in San Antonio Rice. It helps a lot having that type of connection down there. How big was it for San Diego to pick up the win yesterday? It was definitely um, a good victory. The quarterback change seems to have worked. I mean, starting Philip Nelson over Mark Bergevici. The thing was, the weather was a factor too in that rain. So, but the thing is, they have a running game now. They have a they have a running game, which definitely helps them helps them out offensively. I will tell you what, Jaquan Gardner 
what did he rush for, 103, 105 yards, something like that, and just 15 carries. Of course, he had two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had a good game. And the thing was, uh, the fans of San Diego, I mean, you know, this is the first – First uh, foot, real football game in a couple of years, so they they had a reason to be happy. It was cold, it was rainy. Expect the expect the uh, the, the fans would be better next week. Birmingham beats Salt Lake. Birmingham comes up big late. Do we have concerns for Salt Lake at this point? It's hard to tell. It, it really, it really because they, they should have won that game. I mean, we, we can talk about that. That fumble, um, that fumble recovered for a touchdown on special teams. It, it looked like it, he was down, but replay didn't show a definitive, definitive um, claw enough to have that. The thing is, and also those, those field goals. I mean, he missed three field goals, the kicker, and one, and and he missed another one was was missed because of a bobbled snap, which they couldn't even attempt. So it's it's kind of hard to tell. What's so, you know? What's so, what's what's so like? It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt that, they, that, that they've already used three quarterbacks either. We look at Memphis and Arizona. Arizona scores the comeback. Anything you take from that game? Well, Memphis. I mean, they got to find. They got to find a way to throw the football. All Hackenberg did was think and dunk. He didn't. He didn't throw any, any balls down down the field. Zach Stacy was a lone bright spot for the um, for, for the Express having over 100 yards. Thing is, do you put, is it time to put Zach Mettenberg in there, or do you give Hackenberg another week to see if he can, he deserves to be a starter? But it seems like they're too conservative on offense, and it reminds me of the offense that Mike Singletary ran when he was the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. You know, there were some people that were saying that with how Mummy's departure that has left this Memphis offense in disarray. But, Fran, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm really not trying to say that's the case, and I have a hard time believing that's the case because he wasn't there for minicamp. He was only there for, what, a week or two weeks? Didn't have really much contact with players. Memphis, by my imagination, had plenty of time, although nobody in this league had a lot of time to work with, Memphis had time to get somebody in place and get the plays they wanted. So I'm not sure that you can say how Mummy departing after a week or two is the reason this offense is not coming unchecked. Well, I think if they maybe if they maybe made Zach Mettenberger the starter, you know, when the season started, it might be because he had more playing experience. I mean, Hackenberg. I mean, I watched him at Penn State. He got killed the season of the year. I was shocked as a Jets fan. He was a second round pick. I didn't see anything worthy of him even. Get, being drafted that high, so I was kind of surprised that. When, I mean, Memphis. I'm surprised he didn't go with the quarterback that had the most playing experience. That's that surprised me the most. And Fran, I'm really concerned. Uh, uh, I'm concerned with his leadership. Are certainly concerned with his composure on the field. Christian Hackenberg has shown a real loss of composure at times, and that's the best way that I can pull it. Put it. I mean, he seems very emotional. He's dropping f bombs all over the place on um, the last two weeks on on TV, which you know this week they were censored out. But he's just he, he he wants to be in control, but he's not completely in control. He wants you know it seems like they're they're trying to learn on the job and that's express is doing with offense. And Dean, what's your take on on this on this um, play clock? It seems like some teams are doing well with thirty five seconds, and some teams are struggling to get the ball off in time. Well, it seemed to me that Memphis had some real issues with 
their clock management. That's what I saw from the little bit of the game that I was able to watch live. Well, Dean, at the end of the first half, I mean, they were driving down the field, and they, because of poor clock management, they weren't able to get a field goal off. So well, just, that's what I'm saying. So, thoughts on Atlanta? We had uh, been, we had roasted them quite a bit at our first discussion about things that were going on with, uh, with the legends. I mean, they played better. I mean, Matt Sims played better. The defense played a little bit better. They had a little bit more composure. But the thing is. The problem is you're going all two when you're having your home opener. So it's kind of like it's if they won yesterday, it would have built up more momentum for fans to, hey, let's check this out. Memphis, the storyline there, they had six to 8,000 actual people in attendance by the tallies that we received. What was the paid attendance figure that you heard or the, the tickets? The paid, atten- the, paid attendance, the paid attendance was, a, was around 11,900. The thing is, People are blaming the cold and the weather, but it was 37 or so and very, very rainy. And the people, it's a date with destiny. It's the it's the first ever game in your city for a league. I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, if I was if I love football and I love the Memphis, I'd definitely be going to that game. I don't care if it was a blizzard; I'd be going to the game. But the thing is, people say in these in these alternative leagues, you have to have perfect weather. You know, you, you have to have, uh, you know, I mean, a good product. But, Dean, well, for example, Salt Lake is going to play next week, and their temperature, the game time temperature is supposed to be 30 degrees. So I mean, the thing is, should that be a reason for fans not to check it out? Well, I, 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 I guess the question comes down to could they have watched it on TV? Was that something to do with it? That's an age-old argument. I say football fans are going to go to the game because they're football fans. If you're there just to be seen or whatever, that's a different story. But football fans go to games. And it also depends on how the team is marketing and, and selling tickets and things. It, it, we, we, it's hard to tell what the AF exactly is doing because based on the, on news stories, I mean, Birmingham was giving out tickets to, you know, to, um, to giving away tickets. San Antonio giving away tickets. San, um, the, the fleet gave away 1,000 tickets um, um, to the the people as well. So it's kind of it's, it's hard to tell how what type of marketing these teams are doing. Yeah, and I saw one of the teams, and I don't remember which one. The police in that community were doing traffic stops. The Iron. The okay, Iron. was it, it was Birmingham, and they were giving out tickets when people were getting pulled over for one of those uh, those blitzes that they did. But you know, I, I guess whatever it takes to get your product out there, it's not unusual for teams to give out tickets. It is unusual if they're giving out great numbers of them or they're giving them out that aren't attached to some charity function or some type of fundraiser or some type of promotional value to it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely hard to tell. The one thing I will say, with Orlando being 2-0, having a home game this week, I want to see the attendance um, um, increase for the game against Atlanta this week. I want to see more fans. I want to see a couple more thousand fans show up. You have an exciting product, high-powered offense, legendary coach, show up to the games. Fran, thanks for being with us. We will have Mike Waddell, who is the president of the Orlando Apollos, coming up later this week on the full podcast of After Further Review. So that's one of the questions that we're going to ask him about attendance at the bounce house at Spectrum Stadium in Orlando. Fran, thanks for joining me. Thank you for all your hard work. Thanks, Ian. This has been After Further Review, an extra edition.